Our gospel reading this morning tells us not to worry. I can almost see all those thought bubbles above your heads. How can we not worry? Not worry, Lord? Have you seen my to-do list? We each have worries, large and small, from can I get the kids to soccer on time to major worries, a scary diagnosis, money or relationship concerns, worries about our safety and the peace we want for our nation, for the world. Headlines are alarmist. We want the news on TV to be calming, but the news can often be scary. And our phones don't help the situation either. That ding that signals the breaking news is seldom anything good. No wonder we're anxious much of the time. However, we're told repeatedly in the Bible not to worry. Fear not. It appears in the Bible 365 times, once for every day of the year. Easy to read, but not nearly as easy to do. But if we can trust in our Lord's unfailing love, we are promised peace. In our reading, Paul suggests that we rejoice in the Lord, and since we are bogged down with anxieties that get way in the way of rejoicing, he admonishes us to pray in everything, bringing everything, no matter how trivial or how insurmountable, to the God who loves us. We cannot free ourselves from anxiety by our own efforts. That only pushes the anxiety underground where it festers and leads to secret despair. But Christ will meet us at the place of worry because Christ has descended to the depths of human despair. Therefore, God has become for us the God whose peace guards our minds and hearts. I invite you to pray your worry. I guarantee you'll feel better if you can just bring those worries and concerns to the God who loves you. Name those people who you are concerned about. Pray, help me, Jesus, whenever you cannot imagine how you will get through a difficult situation. Friends, we can also pray with and for each other. We have prayer cards in the pews which can be filled out and put in the prayer box at the rear of the church or in the collection plate if you prefer. And there's always someone to here to pray with you, in person or on the phone. I have a prayer partner who prays with me at the same time each morning, either virtually or in person. Maybe that's an idea you'd like to add into your day. There are many different ways to pray, and none of them are wrong. All prayer can be useful and helpful. Also, as we pray about everything, we need to remember to be thankful and pray our thanks as we go through each day, too. As Anne Lamott writes, there are only three prayers we really need. Help, thanks, wow. We've been told, be anxious about nothing in Matthew 6. I tell you, do not worry about life. What you will wear, what you will eat or drink or about your body, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not row, excuse me, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Do not worry about anything. 
but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. Jesus was our prime example when it comes to prayer. We know that Jesus prayed about everything, all his concerns and all his joys. Jesus demonstrated that retreating from the crowds to pray renewed his spirit. He prayed as an example to his followers and he taught us how to pray. We're still using the words he gave us today. Jesus prayed with others and for others, and he prayed alone. As it tells us in Luke 5, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. In his humanness as God the Son, Jesus regularly felt the need to pray to God the Father. We need to feel that call to prayer with the same urgency. In today's letter from Paul to the Philippians, Paul opened his letter with remarks that he's constantly praying with joy. When he wrote these letters, Paul was writing from jail. He was under threat of capital punishment at the hands of a brutal and corrupt regime. And yet, he exhorts the Philippians in his letters not only to keep praying and not be anxious, but promises that the outcome of these habits will be the peace that surpasses all understanding. He was saying that real and lasting joy comes from the confidence that no matter what happens, we are inseparably connected to God and saved. I love reading books by Philip Yancey. His books explore the most basic questions and deepest mysteries of the Christian faith. And, bonus, much of what he writes is very funny. He grew up as a young man thinking of God as a scowling super cop, searching for anyone who might be having a good time in order to squash them. In his book, I Was Just Wondering, Philip Yancey asks, what would happen in the national consciousness if these nine words came to mind when you said the word Christian? Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit as described in Galatians. This is what Paul underlines for us in his letter to the Philippians. He tells us to focus our minds on what is true, honorable, just, pure, pleasing, commendable, excellent, and worthy of praise. Is this just an exercise in positive thinking? Is it a Pollyanna denial of reality? If it were not for Jesus' resurrection, this might be the case. But Paul is holding two realities in view at the same time. Yes, there is the immediate reality of a world where human beings are constantly at war with somewhere, betraying one another, brutally suppressing one another to get ahead. This was true of the Roman Empire, and it's true today. Every day we hear and see a culture that focuses on what is false, dishonorable, unjust, impure, and shameful. We begin to think that to act hopefully in such a world is unrealistic. But Paul also sees another reality, and it is the reality that holds the future. That is the reality of God's redemption, already here and still drawing near. 
training our minds to think of this reality and thereby to act with hope is a daily mental discipline. I have a very tattered reminder of hope on my fridge. It's been there for years, my favorite Bible verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That's from Jeremiah 29, and for me, it's always come true. Similar to fitness training, hope is a muscle we can build up. Can you imagine going through any of the recent hurricanes, losing perhaps everything except your family and the clothes on your back? How would you ever go on without hope? Incidentally, speaking of the recent hurricanes, here's something I didn't know. About 80% of all recovery after a major hurricane happens because of nonprofits, and the majority of them are faith-based. I saw that for myself in 2005 when I joined a mission outreach group from our church to drive down and offer help in the devastated area near Mobile, Alabama. Church groups were first on the scene and way ahead of any help from FEMA. We worked mostly in Bayo Labattery, a close-knit community of hard-working shrimp fishermen. It's a diverse population of about 3,000 people, Asians, whites, blacks, Native Americans, Latinos, Cajuns, and Creoles. Hurricane Katrina had decimated their part of the coast. Roads had huge craters in them. Bridges were destroyed. We saw fishing boats perched high on rooftops and trees, clothing, toys, and shoes hanging in dangling and useless utility wires and from chimney tops. Sometimes the chimney or the stone steps going up to the house were the only things remaining. The houses were gone. If they were still standing, there was an ominous tidal mark where the water had reached 10 or 12 feet high on the walls. There was no power. Many people had to sleep in shelters or camp in tents outside their destroyed homes. Yes, FEMA trailer homes were arriving, but official red tape meant they arrived locked and no one knew who had the keys. We cooked makeshift meals day after day in the flooded kitchen of a local church, improvising from the stock of canned foods we'd brought from Connecticut. Heaven only knows what these lovely people thought of English shepherd's pie and Italian spaghetti served from tinfoil containers in the back of minivans. No matter what language they spoke, all these people gathered in groups to pray in circles in the middle of what remained of their streets as we fed them their first hot meal in a few days from the back of our vehicles. Surrounded by mountains of what used to be their belongings and furnishings, these people were linked by their faith and hope. This is what they had to rely on when they'd lost everything else. Worrying was not going to help them, but prayer and hope were what they relied on. We can learn not only from their example, but also, 2,000 years later, from Paul's epistle. It's like a letter home from a soldier anticipating that he may soon die. Paul wrote this at a time when he was suffering greatly, at a time when he wondered if he might soon be killed, and he wrote to people he loved. And so the advice he gave them was important. Rejoice in the Lord always. Do not worry about anything. With prayer and thanksgiving, 
Let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.